Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is Joe Diver. He's chief information officer at the Valley Health Systems. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, excited to learn from you and uh, about your experience. And it's the the hottest topic in healthcare IT, I think, right now. Uh, most of our conversation about AI. But before we go there, tell us a little bit about yourself and Valley Health System. Sure, I've been in this crazy health IT space for twenty five plus years. Um, wow, started way back when as an educator for one of the EMR systems and okay. management, and um, found my way to the CIO seat back in two thousand and four. And um, from there, uh, a couple of other stints as a CIO, and then went on the vendor space, and uh, then into the innovation area. Uh, last five years, leading innovation at Bay State Health, a $4 billion health system right up the road. And more recently, joined Valley Health, which is made up of Holyoke Medical Center, Holyoke Medical Group, VNA, um, River Valley Counseling, and over 300 physicians. So it's much more on the smaller community side, but we have about half a million uh, consumers or patients in our, in our region. And the reason why joining uh, Valley Health is really specifically around that digital strategy, digital front door, digital innovation, and staying uh, ahead of the curve so they can survive and thrive as an independent community organization. And with 80% Medicare and Medicaid uh, payer mix, it's, uh, it's, it's, de- it's a desperate need here to make sure we can continue with the high quality care and reduce costs within the community. So it's, it was a great opportunity and uh, been here for, I think, almost 90 days. Uh, but wow. walked walk into a great a great organization with a great project because they were awarded a uh, almost one million dollar grant from Blue Cross Blue Shield specifically around health equity. Okay. Uh, so it's all about digital innovation and, and and engaging the consumers and also our our care team members a little bit differently. So uh, so pretty excited uh, for that um, journey. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, I love that you've gotten the the investment. That's always a nice thing. But what an interesting broad perspective. Uh, with with that in mind, uh, you know, talk about what are some of the most exciting things in digital health that you're working on today. You know, whether it's at your current organization or even maybe some you know in your past organizations. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, one of the things that from a digital innovation perspective that I always look at is is really what problem or what passion problem we need to solve and then um, look for the right solutions to solve those problems. And um, one of the, I think, more recent exciting um, stories I can share with you, John, and the audience is around um, OB. Uh, So moms that are high risk of preeclampsia, one of the uh, physicians um, brought this issue to me and she saw some interest and solutions in the market. At the time, we were filling out a fee, an FCC grant, and I kind of stuck it in there because, you know, the funding is the first thing. If you can't get the funding, yep. how do you move these? Everybody needs to align the economics. Um, but I'll keep the story short. Because of this program, she was able to monitor uh, two specific moms that were high risk and on a clinical path for early delivery and NICU stays for the babies. Both uh-huh. moms went full term. And wow. uh, once that story got out there, then the uh, one of the payers leaned in and said, how do we do this for our members? Um, because you can think of a thank you stay and, and, and that cost. Sure. And uh, another exciting program was around uh, asthma, um, bringing a digital tool to patients that could, again, remote monitor from home and different things of that nature, uh, alert the triggers. Uh, one of the patients was quite excited when she got that call. And she thought she was going to have to go to urgent care ED. And they actually did some things remotely and helped her through it. 
And there's a video testimonial of her saying that it saved her life. Uh, that's how she, as a patient, as a consumer, mm-hmm. interpreted that particular engagement. So the opportunity is there and how do we, how do we do more of this and how do we figure out the economic alignment um, with that as well um, as we kind of drive those forward. Um, but it's really, you know, my colleagues on the clinical side, operational side, leading in with the problems that they're trying to solve, the challenges that they have, and then just continue just to think a little bit broader and, and more detail around that and how do we figure that out, right? So, yeah. uh, so it's just a couple of stories uh, more recently. And I'm excited about the path that we're on here at Holyoke um, as we're leveraging some of the technology that we're um, deploying actually goes live next week um, is around remote engagement with the patient about before they come into the hospital and help us capture this information and know more about the patient. So it's the SDOH, it's the SOGI, okay. it's the REL data, right? And then capture that data, then how do we then transform uh, the way that we engage with patients? If we know, you know, everybody's trying to figure out the same, same issue. If a patient has a transportation issue, how do you, how do you solve that problem? And how do you solve that for a community hospital that's 80% government pay? You know, it's, it's, it's you know, if we can survive and thrive off that 1% margin, one and a half or, or stretch of the two, we're going to do okay. But, um, you know, we have those big challenges and how do we, how do we create these programs and uh, begin to know more about our patient, transform the way we engage with the patient and our cl- clinical teams, and then drive it forward. So we have a pretty broad vision here uh, at Holyoke, which was one of the main you know, points of interest in joining the organization. And um, our CEO and our board, they're going to stay independent. So, you know, we're in the shadows of, uh, of <laughs> a lot of giants. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We, have, we say we're in, we're in the shadows, but we have our own sunshine at the end of the day. Right. Ah, so that's nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, and I think it is interesting. You know, you talk about, the, you know, lining the financial stuff. I mean, to me, the other question is how do you scale to the problem? Right. And, you know, right. one of the answers for me is AI, but I'd love to hear how you are thinking or how are you looking at and kind of approaching AI? And of course, I have to mention ChatGPT, which has become yep. the sexiest AI uh, to hit the world, not just healthcare, you know? So how are you looking at it approaching this AI and ChatGPT like solutions? You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a big and, and complex question at the end of the day, right? And, and uh, one of the things I started to do is, is a, as an innovator, I love to do gut checks. I love mm. to kind of get in front of a group and say, what if, or what, what, do, we, what do we think, or, or how do we leverage this? And uh, it actually recently came up in a compliance meeting. Our compliance officer was concerned because some of the risk that she's seeing out there in the market, some of the stories sure. she's seen from a healthcare perspective. And she was asking me, well, what if we just turn it, turn it off, right? Not, not be able to access it from, from our systems. And I brought that to our med exec committee, kind of a gut check. I said, hey, what are you all thinking about this? And two of our providers leaned in and said, no, we want to do more. We want to learn more about this technology and how do we apply it within the framework of what we do as physicians and whether it be from uh-huh. a research perspective. And uh, they see the power of it. And it's like, okay, now as a CIO, I need to figure out now how do I put the right guardrails up and protect the organization from any risk, you know, yeah. risk, PHI risk, <laughs> PHI risk or just interpretation of what they're receiving back from that, that GPT uh, inquiry. And, um, and how do we, how do we then build that into, into the EMR process and the workflow? So very early on, but we're starting to have the conversation because we can't ignore it. We, we have to figure out how do we adopt it? How do we leverage it? Uh, how do we, uh, possibly use it for physician satisfaction, reduce physician burnout, 
Um, and how do we help ourselves, you know, automate more of our systems using that, that, that technology under, under the hood um, and look at AI and, and, and chat GPT. Funny thing, John, I, uh, when, when I was began to think about this, I went into chat GPT. I said, give me a nice, uh, a warm um, uh, morning message for my 17 year old daughter that I can text her in the morning. Uh-huh. And I gave this beautiful little thing for a text and I sent it to her. And she's like, Oh, that's sweet. Dad. I'm like, I had to fess up, right? It wasn't me. It was, uh, <laughs> it was this automation, right? So, so in uh, one of our physicians was looking at a, uh, try and do some research on a hypothermia protocol. And he said, well, let me just put this in a GPT. And 15 seconds later, it came back to him and he's like, it was pretty, pretty darn accurate uh, at, the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing, John, internally is that around with the med exec committee, we're bringing in a, um, a CME program. So we begin to look at it, begin to think about collectively and kind of an academic approach to it. And, and what is it in the market that we can leverage this technology for? What should be our strategy or our process? What should be our governance framework? I think there's a lot of organizations that are um, in the same boat at, at, at the moment, yep. and uh, and then collectively, how do we how do we um, kind of bring this forward? And just yesterday, I was on a CIO council uh, related to within Massachusetts uh, or the New England region, and that's the topic that came up. So we're going to start diving into it as CIOs collectively and say, okay, how do we apply this uh, within within our four walls of our organization? How do we learn from each other? Then you know, kind of looking outside and looking at what the market's doing. I, I begin to think about how do vendor partners now apply this within their applications. Yeah, and take I was thinking that, the same. <laughs> yeah, take on that ownership of okay, how do we how do they leverage it to make their platforms or their programs much more valuable and richer, and and uh, help us streamline uh, workflows and, and practices um, and things of that nature. So, uh, but very early on, but it's a, it's a it's a very good academic conversation at this point. Um, but something we can't avoid and we have to figure out the guardrails of how we apply it. Yeah. I just got back from Boston near you uh, at an EHR user event and they demoed a, a dozen or so, uh, you know, chat GPT like or inspired, uh, you know, features. They aren't using chat GPT. They're using a private, you know, solution, yeah. of course, uh, to protect BHI. But yeah, I mean, it, it's coming through the vendors you know, and, and even moving beyond just ChatGPT, although it's interesting, those examples you offered and the, the doctors wanting to use it, uh, that's an interesting perspective. And how do we put the guardrails that make sense? Are, are there areas that you can kind of er, see early on from these discussions where you think, hey, AI and, and ChatGPT are going to have an impact and maybe some areas where you're like, yeah, I don't see it going this direction and really impacting this part of care? Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of different. And if I was to make a short, like top three list, I was just kind of, you know, thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. We would the value be, and it's like we we all, we all know the challenge of of um, new research and, and understanding new medical practices and best practices. How do we how do we access that for our providers if, if they have a difficult case and and uh, you know kind of like a patient like me, and how do how do they know which medications or things to think about? So that that aspect is one. Uh, the, the other is, is if I have a patient that is, um, you know, having some sort of conditions, what's the, what's the family history of it? How can I quickly scan the records of not only within the local health system, but wherever their relatives are? How do I make those connections? Um, that's another. And, um, and, and generally just improving the way we, we, um, we, we take, you know, a, a, a improve the physician workflow, the clinician 
workflow within all these different tools and applications that we're leveraging. We know that you know, AI has been quite successful in the radiology space for the last number of years. And how do we think about the same kind of stuff within um, our, our hospitalists who get to see the patient when they get admitted and need to know a lot of information about the patient pretty quickly to help with the care, um, uh, care plan and care treatment process um, and, and, and go from there. And how do we, how can we uh, leverage um, these technologies to maybe even get more advanced to the home and things of that nature when helping the patient um, either recover at home or hospital at home and connect all these different data points together uh, and automate alerts more you know, in, in, in a better workflow uh, mm -hmm. perspective. And then the last thing I always put on my list is how can we afford this as a community hospital back to the 80% Medicare and Medicaid? And I, I think it's gonna be a direct correlation to that value-based care strategy, if I can reduce costs in the healthcare ecosystem and improve quality, leveraging this technology, that's a win-win-win. Because um, I'm certainly not going to get the, you know, 200, $300,000, $500,000 annual, you know, SaaS model spend for organization like like uh, Valley Health. So um, yeah. those are things that kind of think longer term about. And what's sad to think about is how can you survive without it, right? When you look at sure. some of the summarization capabilities, the language capabilities that are likely needed by your populations, uh, you know, that's going to really bridge that health equity gap, right? As far as, hey, can you write this at a second grade level so that they understand it so that they can actually sure. process it? Or can you translate it to Spanish so that they can read it in their native language and, and understand what you're trying to say, Uh yeah, it, it's a tough one. It's like, how can you afford it? But how can you live, afford not to do it? Right? It's, uh, uh, those are those other high valuable use cases, John, for sure. You know, there was a, a case that another organization was at um, a number of years ago, um, but the discharge um, instructions were translated, but there was like a special instruction in the middle that wasn't translated, but it was very, very important for the patient to understand it. So that ended up with a, a patient that didn't follow the, the process and ended up coming back as a readmission because she missed that part. And she didn't have a, a caregiver or a loved one that, that saw that, so she was on her own. So you, you think of those use cases and you say, how can we fix that? What was missed or what technologies can we use to translate this stuff across the board and, and, sure. and help, help the patients, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw an incredible technology at him's uh, Lexmark scanned in a document and spit it out in another language, like fascinating, That's right? Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> like yeah. it's amazing what you do, but you're right. There are risks that we have to yeah. make sure we test and vet it. Um, how about retail health and, and big tech? Do you kind of see them as a threat or are you, are you doing anything to kind of adapt to their entrance into healthcare? It's it's another great question. You know, um, this was pre-COVID, and we we had a community forum in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. There had to be about two hundred people at this at this community forum, and I asked the question of who do you trust with your healthcare data? Google, no hands went up. Amazon, no hands went up. CVS, a couple. Walmart, a couple. How about your local health system? Majority of the hands went up. Right. Mm -hmm. So so how do we then compete against these others that are creating a, a new consumer experience? I think it's I think it's just that uh, philosophical change. For example, um, we're about to launch a um, uh, it opens up in two weeks, a retail pharmacy um, for a community hospital um, right down that lobby. 
uh, meds to beds program, but now we start talking about how can we do home deliveries for a small community hospital, but the value and the economic alignment makes sense, right? So that's how we need to compete against those others is to engage the patients and keep them within that ecosystem. Uh, I, for one, have tried some of the uh, virtual care options so to learn more about it. I find it interesting. I love the flexibility. I enjoyed it. Um, with a majority of our community members, maybe not, but we'll into, into the inner cities. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's going to be that kind of competition uh, along the way. So not much of a local threat uh, for, for us, um, but certainly what I see right over the border with Hartford Health System, what they're doing with One Medical and with Amazon and with Google, uh, I begin to, I, those are the, the threats that I'm looking at now. It's like the, the health systems that are leveraging those ecosystems and bring them together. What does that mean? Although they're right over the border, they're only about a half hour away from us. So you got Holyoke Medical Center, Bay State and Springfield, and a little bit further south is, is Hartford Healthcare uh, under the leadership of my good friend, Joel Venko. I, who I, I know yep. you know Joel. I know Joel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm watching him closely, right? So, um, but I think that's more of a, more of a threat for, for um, our region than, than the bigger big tech plays. Um, but, but certainly watching those big tech plays and understanding the value and saying, how can I apply that same kind of thinking or process locally? Uh, I think it will, will, will help us in the long run, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it's almost the wrong question around, do you trust the Google with your data? Because you got the obvious outcome, right? Of course we don't, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, but the, the interesting thing is if you compound that question, right? And this happens in sales process all the time. You have to compound the question for the salesperson yeah. to give you the right answer. <laughs> That's right. That's like right. if you yeah. compound it and say, do you trust them with the data if I give you a convenient experience? <laughs> then it turns out in most cases, convenience trump, tr you know, trumps the, the, the fear of data loss, which is, is a fascinating thing, right? That's all why we press. I agree with the new Apple update, not read anything about it. Right? So, you understand, right? Like that's right. So it is interesting. Like convenience is such a, a tough competitor, right? But uh, that's right. A lot to figure out there for sure. You and know, that's exactly, and that's exactly, you hit the spot, you hit the nail on the head, John. That's exactly the thing is like, how do we make it more convenient for our consumers, our patients within our small community to take that friction out, out of the equation, just like the, the big tech plays are, but you spot on. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. If you do take the, make it convenient for them, they do trust you more. Right. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> you know, uh, which, which is obvious, uh, but, you know, so I think that's where it's going to become a bit of a haves and haves nots. If you don't make it convenient, then they will eat your lunch. But if you do, right. then yeah, you, you know, you'll be fine. So sure. it's interesting. You know, how do you look at, you know, innovation in your organization and, you know, now you're leading innovation in your organization. Do you have a process that you use for kind of discovering the latest innovations? Cause yeah. I think it's a challenge for many CIOs who listen that like they're so overwhelmed with the minutia of the operations. What's your process for leading innovation and discovering innovation? The, the, the key is that we make it part of our culture. Um, we carve out time. So when I first, when I was going through my interview process, uh, um, the one question I asked here at Holyoke is how much time do you spend in the, um, you know, the, the run or the maintenance bucket how much you spend in the, in the new product and new implementations, a new program bucket, how much you spend in the innovation and innovation was zero. And I said, well, let's talk about the value of the innovation of, of, of how we can build efficiencies. So the first thing is to build it into the IT team culture mm -hmm. and then make sure the senior leadership is also on board. 
Um, so, and this is, a, I, I'll give credit to Joel, um, Joel Venko. He taught me the, um, the importance of a prospectus of what's going on in the market, share the ideas, tell the stories. And we just started doing that. And when those stories solve a problem, there's a, there's a kind of a pull or a connection on that. So one of the recent stories I shared was back to the uh, remote uh, for, for asthma patients um, in pulmonology. And immediately a physician and a practice director said, yes, we have that problem because on our strategic whiteboard is reduce the ED visits for this group and reach out to the rural part of the market and things of that nature. So sharing those stories begins to create the conversation. And then when it comes back in, we look at our IT slotting process and we carve out some of our time for innovation delivery and program delivery, if you will. So that's the key is, is, is the culture uh, aspect of it. And then build it into the, into the model um, because we can make more, we can achieve more value, I believe, by innovative models than we do just standard IT stuff, right? And the really interesting thing, John, is that um, in my staff, I have a great group of, um, of, of team members. In my ambulatory group specifically, I have four um, younger folks who came over from ambulatory and they're not IT analysts. They came over because they, because of an implementation and they stuck here. And so I sat them down because this, this new program would deliver us all about ambulatory, it's all about the patient engagement. And one of the key members there, her role is just training going out and training people. I'm like, well, think differently, think differently, think differently. She's already brought three great ideas to this program that's changed the way we're, we're looking at delivery. So even uh, just an innovative mindset of trying to bring it together and letting people engage and, and, make, those, and make those suggestions or those ideas and experiment with them. So we take, we, we're not gonna solve the, the world in one day, but we go to experimentation, look at what the impact is, then begin to scale. And if we look at ideas, we might have ideas in our horizon one bucket, and we might have other ideas in our horizon two and horizon three. And right now in this particular product, we're on horizon nine bucket that will kind of these containers so we can execute and scale. It's almost like sprints, but without calling them sprints or things sure. of that nature. But the key aspect initially is, is, is culture change and um, almost a day 90 and everybody's bought into it. So um, again, we're more nimble because of the smaller community size but the same type of ideas can apply, but you really have to, you know, I, I would suggest tell the CIOs and the leaders just to make sure you make time and, 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 and build it into your culture of your organization uh, from CEO all the way through. So, uh, yeah. So so when I feel like most people like want to be innovative, you know, <laughs> but they, if, if they haven't been enabled to, right. Uh, then they, then they like, well, if, if they're not heard, then they don't do it. So yeah, that's it. interesting. And on that OB story I mentioned earlier at the top is that we started with 50 patients. And by the time I, I moved on to the next organization, there are up to 1,800 patients on the program. So the scale and the process and the physician buy-in from that one physician now went to two, then went to eight, then went to 10, right? So it's like, how can you, you know, experiment, scale, experiment, learn, and scale, and make sure we're making the right investments and watching that return. Because we can look at experience for the physician, we can look at experience for the patient, but at the end of the day, we really impact in the, the clinical outcomes, the quality outcomes, and, and, and the cost savings and follow, follow the economics because if it's not impacting the needle, then what are we doing, right, at the end of the day, you know, whatever yeah. the needle might be. But although experience is important, it doesn't drive the, the cost savings completely, right? So, For sure. Yeah. 
So it's interesting to think about your horizons and and working on Horizon Nine. Is there is there a big challenge right now that you haven't maybe quite figured out a solution to? And uh, you know, obviously we have a lot of listeners. Maybe they'll reach out with some solutions. Is there something that you're like, I'm trying to get my head around this, or you know, or yeah. a challenge you face that you're like, I, I, I'm I'm working on this one. <laughs> You know, that's a great question. The, the, the challenge that I have in front of me now is just thinking about the, the consumer journey in the digital front door and, and what technologies will this community really adopt and, and uh, lean into, right? So, um, and every organization is quite different in, in that space. So um, we will survive or, 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 or die in the vine based upon how we retain patients, how we decrease the um, uh, the leakage from our organization. So that is a top priority for me. Is how do I how do I wrap things around that from a digital enablement to minimize that happening? And that challenge then goes from a technology perspective to an operational perspective. How do I make sure uh, that the operational folks are actually leveraging those? And so um, this is I think I've learned over the years. I can deliver technology and deliver programs and then eight, 10, 12 months later, there's a problem because on the operational side of whether it be changes or something else going on, need to get more into the, not into the weeds, but at the higher level analytics and making sure these programs are, are, are moving through. So the number one challenge I have now, which is an opportunity in my mind, is taking our project management, well, first the digital front door, but more importantly, taking our project management mindset and moving into a program management mindset that we're not going to leave the program. We're going to make sure that we get the results and the impact that we desire. Um, and, but that, that's also a little bit of a culture shift because it's, it's just taking things different from on the, the collaboration from the operational side and, and the IT side. Um, but consumerism is one, minimize the, the leakage is two. And then how do we transform the way we look at the programs to make sure we're tracking those uh, correctly? So yeah, I hope that's, that's great. Love it. I think that's a, that's a really interesting framework to, th- to think about, uh, you know, the challenges you face. Well, we always like to wrap up with a, a bit of career uh, discussion, career advice, career uh, experience. So, you know, as we wrap up, what's the best piece of career advice that you've been given or maybe even learned in your career? Yeah. If you have an idea, put it on the table. It's not the it's not the title that wins. It's the idea that's going to make the improvement. I learned that a long time ago. And it's, stuck, it's stuck with me forever. And the story behind that, John, is I was a young project manager and worked for HCA uh-huh. out in Nashville and worked yep. on implementation down in uh, Florida. And I had to deliver um, a, a challenge and message to a, a local administrator down in Florida. And I met with um, some folks in HCA. And my boss said, just put it on the table. It is what it is, right? Uh, and that just actually flourished to something different and improved the implementation and whatnot. So always have the um, have the uh, willingness to put it on the table. That's why I tell my team when we get into our, you know, into our, into our team meetings or the d- division meeting, it's not the title that wins the idea. It's the idea that, that, that wins at the end of the day. So, and those just get on the table and you have conversations. So don't hesitate. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Be brave. It's, uh, Be brave, you know, <laughs> I think that the most exciting things happen when you're brave and you throw it out there. Right. And that's right. You know, that's right. I, I think it's an interesting discussion though. Right. Because, uh, 
you know, obviously I love the idea of be, putting it out there, but I think you, you know, some people are like, wait, so I it need to be rude. I need to be forceful. And it's like, no, you can, you can, you can balance the two, right. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you can do it in a way that's thoughtful, uh, but is, but is brave that your idea could be rejected. Right. <laughs> and, and, and most of the time I begin those, those ideas or put them on the table with B. what if, well, what if we did this or what if we thought about it this way or what, what if we, uh, step back and, and rethink the approach a little bit, you know, and then, and then as you kind of, you know, think through that and analyze that, then you get to the, why not, why not do it this way? Why, why not, you know, why not implement that? So, yeah. um, so it's, it's, it's quite interesting, but that's what I, I thrive off is when, when my team and others in, in the organization do that. And I'll leave you with one, this other thing is the, yeah. um, is to, partner with the operational leaders that they're actually talking about some of the terms. So in this particular program, I'm calling it a digital front door. I first step into the digital front door. Everyone else was calling a kiosk and mobile this and mobile that. I'm like, it's digital front. And we start talking about the language, right, that we use. Because, and, and then when you have the operational leader who's explaining this program to the CEO or to the board as a CIO, I'm sitting back drinking my coffee and just listening to the conversation go. It's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> when that kind of begins to evolve so um, but so that that bravery goes all the way from the you know to the top all the way to the frontline employee to bring those ideas forward so absolutely well joe this was a lightning discussion exciting times uh love all the work you're doing and excited to see you know how you impact valley health system so thanks so much and thanks everyone for watching and listening if you want to find more great healthcare it content like this be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the cio podcast by healthcare it today on your favorite podcasting application thanks joe thank you john this was wonderful appreciate you talking